0: let's stand and sing. How great is our God. And how
1: great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great. First, now the splendor of. Oh, and darkness tries to hide and trembles at His voice, oh, and trembles at His voice. beginning and the end, beginning and the end, the bride and Christ are one, that's right. Oh of all these. our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, how great is our God. Let's sing name above all names again now. Sing with me, all your heart now. oh, oh Church, He is worthy of all praise. Oh, and my heart will see how great is our God. One more time now. Yes, Lord. How great is our God now. And how great is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great. Together for Jesus this morning, hallelujah,
0: he's worthy to be praised, glory to God, thank you Jesus, glory to God, amen, it's good to be in church this morning, my heart's just bubbling with joy, man, the devil's been fi- <laughs> devil's been fighting me hard this week, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you what, I'm ready to give him a black eye this morning, it's so hard, amen, glory to God, why don't we sing that, sing that song, Every praise is to our God. Amen. It's just been on my heart. I want to sing it. I want you to sing it with me. And every praise is to our
1: God. Every word of worship. Oh, every praise. Every praise. You know it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, church. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise Oh, it's to our God God, my Savior And God, my Savior Oh, you're my healer My deliverer Yes, He is Yes, He is God, my Savior Oh, you're my healer My deliverer Yes, He is Oh, yes, He is And every praise Every word of worship Every praise Every praise You know it's to our God Sing hallelujah Church my deliverer yes he yeah. is yes he yeah. is and every praise is to our God every word of worship oh every praise every praise oh it's to our God sing hallelujah now oh Hallelujah. Oh, every prayer, every prayer, it's to our God. He's God my Savior, and God my Healer, and God my Deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God my Savior God my healer God my deliverer Yes He is, yes He is Now every praise is to our God Every word Oh every praise Every praise our God sing hallelujah glory hallelujah oh every praise every praise it's to our God and God my Savior and God my healer God my deliverer, yes He is, yes He is. And God my Savior, God my healer, God my deliverer, yes He is, yes He
0: is. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. I'm glad He's my Savior and my Healer. Amen. Deliver me from all my troubles. Amen. That's a comforting thought. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome you to the service this morning. Man, just hope you'll join in with me. You sound so wonderful singing and worshiping. I can only imagine what it sounds like to God Almighty. Amen. When the bride of Christ praises Him with all their hearts. Amen. Let's sing this song. One of my favorite shout to the Lord. My Jesus. My Jesus,
1: my Savior Lord, there is none like you In all of my days I want to praise The wonders of your mighty love And my comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath of all that I am never seek to work. bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name and I'll sing for joy wherever I look My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. In all of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty
2: love.
1: My comfort, my shelter, a tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath and all that I am never cease to worship. All the earth let us sing, power and majesty praise to the King, mountains bow down and the seas will roll at the sound. i have no nothing compares to the promise i have in you
0: glory to god hallelujah thank you jesus i'm glad that nothing nothing compares to the promises of my god amen mighty mighty to deliver amen mighty to save and we're going to change the order of our service at this time. I'm going to ask Brother Samuel if he'd be ready to take these needs to the Lord for us. <clears throat> and just a few to mention, uh, Brother Danny Florian is not with us today. Uh, I want to remember him in prayer. Brother Lucas also is not with us if you keep him in your prayers. Um, I remember the Paschal family also not with us. Um, I think uh, Brother David uh, Whitlock is traveling down to Florida and he ran into some car troubles and issues along the way, uh, just had a real hard time with that. So if you would keep them in your prayers, God would bring them home safely, bring him through those trials, man, and the family, keep the Sylvester family in your prayers as well. I don't see them here. I think they were uh, battling some sickness in the family, if you'd remember them, amen. We also want to keep on our hearts the uh, the tragedy that happened uh, in Ohio Uh, With the Collins family, uh, the young family that perished in the house explosion—I'm sure many of you heard of that. Man, we just want to remember that family in prayer. Um, That's just a just a terrible thing. Satan, the enemy, just attacking families, and no one should have to go through those kind of things. And but we don't understand why things happen, but God knows. We just have to trust that. He'll see us through these things. Amen. So just pray for those families. Remember my Aunt Sherry in prayer. She's still recovering from her uh, recent health issues. Uh, That's all I have at this time. I'm going to ask Brother Samuel if he'd come at this time and take these special needs to the Lord for us. Amen. Musicians could just play something softly as he prays
3: our head lord heavenly father lord we bring these needs before you lord we know lord that it's in your perfect will to carry these things out for the saints this word that you brought for us lord each and every one of us that were drawn to it that attribute that was placed before the foundation of the world that brought us here today we're not an accident going somewhere to happen today lord we are the bride of you lord and lord jesus christ we are sons and daughters Of your promise of your word, Lord. We just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and this clean place of worship to come and just hear who we are, Lord, and hear of our home, Lord, and we just thank you for that and take these needs before you and our pastor today. Just ask that everything on his heart, Lord, just find fertile ground in the saints, Lord. We just ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Brother Samuel. You can have your seats, finally. <laughs> Didn't mean to keep you standing that long. Man, we're going to sing a song. I think Brother Keith has a special for us, and we'll have him come after that. Uh, what are we playing there, sister? Lord, you're beautiful.
1: Your face is over. How Your grace found in me once again now, oh Lord.
0: in me. Man, we're going to have Brother Keith uh, come forward with this special at this time. Just a, a quick announcement as he's preparing. Uh, not to forget our communion service uh, this evening at 4 p.m. Communion service and foot washing at 4 p.m. Amen. Trust you've been doing as a pastor instructs it. Search your hearts, Amen. Make sure that we approach God, Amen. For, as the Scripture says, to let a man examine himself, Amen. And so we just want to pour ourselves out on the altar and just let God purge us, cleanse us, Amen. We be a church that would be pleasing to Him, Amen. Brother Keith. <laughs>
4: He walked in darkness As he groped along the streets With his hands stretched out for pennies Or for just a bite to eat It's the story of the blind man Who met Jesus on his way And with the master's touch The man looked up As the scoffers heard him say Somebody touched me Somebody touched me I was blind but praise his name I now can see I was in darkness when Jesus found me, but since He touched me, I now am. The crippled man And made him walk again And the master saw with pleasure He had labored not in vain Oh, like that story of the crippled man I once was bound by sin But since the Master came Oh, praise His name Thank God I now can say Somebody touched me Somebody touched me I was blind but praise His name I now can see I was in darkness when Jesus found me. But since He touched me, I now am free. Oh, somebody touched me. I'm glad He touched me. I was blind, but praise His name, I now can see, I was in darkness, when Jesus found me, but since He touched
0: Thankfully, touch me. Hallelujah. Thank you for that song, Brother Keith. Man, I've had this song on my heart to sing for a little while. The days of Elijah. Amen. I hope you'll join with me and sing. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, that's fine. I'd recommend you stand because it's gonna be good. <laughs> oh, glory. Amen. Let's sing this together. Man, these are the
1: days of Elijah,
0: declaring
1: the word. Of the Lord And these are the days Of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored These are the days Of great trials Of famine And darkness And soul He are the voice In the desert Crying Plead ye the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, all oh, lift your voice. It's the era of jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel. Oh, the dry bones becoming as flesh. These are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. Oh, and these are the days of the harvest. Oh, the fields are its widening the world, and. All the laborers in your vineyard Declaring the word of the Lord Behold, He comes Riding on the cloud Shining like the sun Oh, and at the trumpets call Lift your voice It's a year of jubilee And out of Zion's hill Salvation comes Listen now there's no, like there's no God like Jehovah, 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 there's no God like Jehovah. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, and the trumpets go. Almost year up to believe and out of science till salvation comes There's no God like Jehovah There's no God like Jehovah Come on now there's no God like Jehovah 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 Behold, He comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun Oh, at the trumpets call Come on and lift your voice It's a year to believe And out of Zion too Salvation comes Oh, behold, He comes Riding on the clouds Shining like the sun, had the trumpets call, the door voice. the year of jubilee. Now the desire to salvation come. No god like Jehovah. There's 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 no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah. Oh, he comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun, at the trumpets call, come on lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, now desire to salvation come. Oh, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Had the trumpets
5: call, Your voice, voice, it's a year of jubilee. I'll and out of Zion's hills, salvation comes. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
6: Hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you bring up our PowerPoint there if you don't mind? I want to give you a prayer request here this morning and we're going to go right to prayer, uh, if you will. This is Brother Anwar's brother, and uh, Akhtar. And uh, the other two days ago, he was in a uh, serious accident. He was on a little motor scooter in Lahore, Pakistan, and a rickshaw came out of nowhere, and rickshaws are uh, bigger than. Uh, just a little wagon and and uh, slammed him on the on the side on, t boned him, and uh, crushed most of his leg and uh, kneecap and everything else. He was put in ICU and uh, went through surgery. And uh, we had uh, prayer for him. And I was in contact with Brother Anwar over the last twenty four hours. And uh, Brother Anwar just wrote me and said he's came through the operation. They would released him from ICU and he's doing very well. So. Uh, we are thankful for that. But I told him we would pray this morning. I told him we'd let him uh, hold him up before the Lord in prayer and uh, with all these other needs that we have this morning. And it uh, sounds like you're ready for church. You're singing like you're ready for church. So uh, let's just join our hearts together in prayer first of all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your presence today, Lord, and how wonderful a thing it is For us, Lord, to come near your throne and to be able to reach out to you, Lord Jesus. We ask now that you would have your way. We ask, Lord God, that you would just take complete control of my spirit and every spirit that's here, Lord. And may uh, your presence, Lord, be the thing that we, uh, we we feel and we touch, Lord, as you pass by. Lord, in our time that we live in, there's many needs, there's many concerns. And I believe, Lord, there always will be as long as we're on this earth. But we believe also that you're a God who supplies every need. You're a God who cares about what we go through. There's not a thing in the world we could hide from you if we wanted to. And so, Lord Jesus, we're asking now in your name that you would just reach down and take complete control, Lord. And may your may, the, may your saints, Lord, may we continue to hold a spirit of worship together. Father, may we just enter into this place today that only the bride longs for. We just love you, Lord, with all of our heart. And ask these blessings, of oh God. We thank you, Brother Anwar's brother Akhtar, and Lord, has been a faithful servant. And Lord, you have used him in Pakistan, Lord, and he's been such a help to Brother Anwar. And I pray that you'd raise him up completely now, Lord. I pray you do a complete work in his body and give him, Lord, that touch that only the great physician can give. I commit him to you, Lord Jesus. And every need that's represented among us here today. We, we give you the day. We give it to you like an offering and say, Lord, just consume it. Our communion service at four and Lord, everything that's done, may it bring honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. What's the first words? Ancient words? Ancient
5: words. Long ago. They mm-hmm. mm-hmm. are God's own words mm-hmm. 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 words, long ago, mm-hmm. Touching me mm-hmm. and changing you
6: sorry. Let's try it again. Bring it down just a notch so we can all sing it.
5: Word of God, ever true, changing me, changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the first verse. strength and help us go. In this world where we roam, the word of God will guide. Have come with open hearts. Oh, let the word of God impart. Holy words of our faith, handed down to this age, came to us to sacrifice. Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ, holy words, long, long preserved for our wants.
1: have come with open heart, oh let the word of God impart. Ever true, changing me and changing you, we have come with open heart, oh God
6: Let's take your Bibles this morning. If you don't mind, we're going to go directly to the Word of the Lord and we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4 this morning. Wednesday night, we talked a little about this. subject of examine, because we are going to, Lord willing, hold our communion service this afternoon at uh, 4 o'clock. That's not 5 o'clock, that's 4 o'clock. Everybody say 4. 4 o'clock. And uh, so we read that little passage that had the word examine in it, and we uh, talked about that on Wednesday night. Today we want to talk about this word, remember. Remember. Brother Joe, Sister Frieda, good to have you with us today. God bless you. Great to see you. Uh, great to have the Swaffords here uh, today. God bless you. We've been praying for you, and it's wonderful to have you today. Reynolds, God, God bless you. Good to have Jeremy and family here today, and uh, just an honor. And for all of you, we've kind of uh, been scattered a little bit over this last couple of weeks here Families Come and Gone, but it's uh, great to have all of you here today. Deuteronomy chapter 4, let's begin at verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whether you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall uh, hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So they... They, they would be called that because of what they heard and then what they live as a result of what they heard, right? So they're getting the word directly from Moses and then uh, they live that word out and other nations even recognize and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous is all this law which I set before you this day. Only take heed to thyself, and watch his warning now, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodst before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me, people together and I will make them hear my words that they may learn to hear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth that they may teach their children may God at his blessing you may be seated this morning again we welcome all of you to the house of the Lord uh, we're glad also to have brother Jonathan Male's mother with us uh, today Janet God bless you great to have you here today and uh, again for all of you we uh, appreciate you being here today. Good to be uh, back. For those of you that were not here on Sunday, or sorry, Wednesday night, uh, Good to have all of you here today. Now, uh, there's uh, a number of different things that are taking place in the land of Ukraine. I was able to uh, have some time with the believers over in Ukraine. What I want to do on Wednesday night, Lord Willing, uh, is to give a little update on uh, the situation over there because things are changing. And um, I will try to do that, Lord willing, and pull it together for Wednesday night, just so lots of people have been asking about that, and I wanted to give you kind of a ref- just a little refresh on, on where we are, uh, because as you, you know, it's, it's interesting how that uh, when things drop out in a news cycle, people feel like, well, okay, everything's okay. Everything's not okay. The nation's still at war. And there's a lot of believers over there that are displaced and uh, have gone through really troubling times over there and are still going through that. And so, uh, Lord willing, on Wednesday night, we'd like to uh, just take a little time show you some things. Some of these people in these pictures in Norway, and I'm not going to show them today here, uh, were part of the 38 that were uh, shuffled out of uh, Donetsk, there um, in, in, the, in the month of uh, April, in the end of April, and May, and uh, the 38, uh, some of them have landed in Norway and are, are in uh, uh, holding uh, institutions there, places where the refugees have come and they're making way now for them to be transplanted or rerouted into uh, Norwegian society, at least temporarily, and uh, it was a pleasure to be able to meet them, and we got a couple of uh, interviews with them, a couple of stories and uh, hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday night. But that's who some of these folks are that we had had time to spend with there. All right, I want to uh, talk a little bit about this word "remember" today, and uh, this is uh, an important uh, important concept. And so I want to just preamble a little bit—not ramble, but I want to preamble uh, just a little bit and uh, talk from uh, a couple of little places in Scripture here, and I have a couple of these that are on the screen, and then I'll uh, ask you to turn to a couple of other places as well. Uh, The word remember, or the principle of remembering, is very important to God. He uh, he often commands us throughout all of the Bible to remember, or sometimes he'll use the phrase, uh, forget not. And you, you've, you've encountered that in your Bible reading because God does not want you to uh, forget the lessons learned through the experiences that we have. And uh, there, are, there are certainly benefits to that, and there are times in our human experience that uh, we, we ought to uh, let things slip. There are things we ought to let go. And uh, we have trouble sometimes remembering all the good things that have happened to us. You can be in uh, a state of mind where uh, even though we are truly a blessed people and a blessed culture and a blessed nation, and even though everything in our nation is not perfect, let me tell you, compared to other nations, we are a blessed people. And you ought to say amen. Just take it from me. You ought to say amen. Because uh, in a lot of ways, if you've never seen it or experienced it, we are still a very blessed nation. I believe we're blessed because uh, the bride is still here. I believe our nation is still blessed because uh, the bride is still here. Uh, we have no idea. I has not seen what's in store for this nation after the bride leaves and I think it's the bride that's holding back the destruction, the winds of destruction and the winds of strife uh, that are aimed at this country. And uh, not hard for us to believe that things can change pretty quickly. And uh, I believe that it's not happened yet. And I believe we've we've not seen anything yet because uh, the bride is still in the earth. But things are changing. And as I said to you on Wednesday night, we're dealing with global issues now that are happening all over the world. And that's, uh, that's kind of an important indicator, uh, to us about the times that we're living in. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, sometimes the, uh, the enemy in the way that he fights, he will work hard, uh, at attacking what God says to us. He cannot, he cannot change what you are, but he can certainly attack what God says to you. We know, we know that faith comes by hearing. And faith comes by hearing in the present tense in a way that, uh, it, it, the scripture doesn't say that, uh, faith comes from having heard, but faith comes from hearing. So faith comes from having heard would be a past tense expression, but faith comes by hearing means that there's a present tense relationship that you have with God. In other words, if you're in a present uh, a present relationship with God and you're walking with God today, you're a candidate to hear what God has to say about what you need for this day that we're living in. Right? If your relationship was established back then and your communion was strong with God back then and you're relying upon that, you may miss what God is revealing for our day. So it's not faith comes by those having heard, but faith comes by hearing, present tense, what God has for us in our particular time, and it's a present day thing. And I'll, I'll say this, that if you want to hear more of the voice of God, and everybody wants to hear more of the voice of God, if you want to hear more of God's voice directly speaking to us, I'll give you one little piece of advice, and this is something that I've found true. And that is that you say yes before he even commands. You have a willingness to say yes to whatever God wants before he commands it. And if you have that kind of a heart and that kind of an attitude that, Lord, whatever it takes, or whatever you need me to do and wherever you need me to go and whatever change you need to make in my life, whatever it is, if that's the way you pray, you ought to just say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm available. I'm present. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Let me tell you, you'll have a, you'll have a better chance at hearing uh, the voice of God when you have that attitude going into uh, you know, uh, uh, giving God a request for something that you have need of. You understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of times people say, well, we want to have handwriting on the wall or we want to have a, uh, an audible voice or we want to have something else, you know, really visible to see. Let me tell you, those are often signs, uh, not of maturity, but of immaturity. That's the way God had to deal with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Remember when he wrote things on the wall, had to write it in such a way that they wouldn't miss it. But uh, God wants believers to be guided by the Spirit of God. Do you believe that? God wants to speak to you with a still small voice, not the obvious big voice. God wants to guide you with his eye. The Bible says in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. That's what God wants to do. God sees it all. God knows it all and he wants to guide you that way. We should not be a kind of a people that are clamoring for a loud voice or a sign or something else. But Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, just show me in your word. Just show me sometimes in a uh, a sermon, sometimes in a church setting. God will uh, speak to us and it isn't, you know, something very uh, loud and obvious, but there's something inside the people of God that they just catch what God wants them to do and they love that and they work on that and, uh, God can lead them and guide them that way. The enemy will always change, he, he will always try to attack what God, uh, is saying to you, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, right? When, uh, Satan came to Eve there and he said, hath not God said? And you can often tell, you can often tell, um, What your enemy fears by the way that God's attack, sorry, by the way that he attacks us. You can often tell what your enemy fears by watching the way that he attacks your life. How is he fighting you? We know that distortion and deception are, uh, his key, key uh, tools that he used there, but he, he really attacks what is a threat to him. When Joshua uh went into the promised land to begin to possess the land that God had given to them uh all of a sudden there were nations that rose up and, and uh, uh you know uh, began war with the children of Israel because uh, Satan did not want the children of Israel to go back and possess that land because in their land is where their strength lay right in their, when, they, when they possessed the land, that's where their strength lay, was in that position, in that place. Uh, it was not outside the land. They were not blessed in Egypt like they were when they got back to Israel. And Satan knew that when they got back in the land, that was where their strength was going to lay. So every time they pushed a little farther into Israel, there was a, a tribe, or, or a nation, or a king, or a group of kings, got together and fought against uh, Joshua and the resettlement of the land. Because once they got resettled in the land, hey, it was going to be tougher for Satan all the way around. I believe that that's true. Then I believe it's true today. I believe that uh, I believe that global pressures. I, I believe they're increasing. I believe they're accumulating more and more because Satan's time is short. And I believe he knows that. And therefore, he's attacking not just in Hickory, North Carolina, but he's attacking everywhere in the world. He's making it difficult for the bride of Jesus Christ all over the world. And I believe that those global pressures are a sign that Satan does not want us to enter into a kind of a unity and a revelation and an understanding and a peace with God and rapturing faith. He doesn't want us to enter into that because you know what? When that accumulates and increases to a certain point, it's even going to take us out of this world into another kingdom and Satan's going to be absolutely powerless against that. Just like when in Matthew chapter four, when, when Satan came against Jesus there in the wilderness and, uh, he tried to get him to, uh, to, uh, To surrender the kingdoms is Matthew chapter 4. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto them, All these things will I give thee if they will fall down and worship me. If Satan did not have victory somehow before Jesus got him, he certainly would be defeated after Jesus got him. Isn't that right? And then Jesus said, No, get thee hence Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone uh, shalt thou serve. So Satan's fighting Jesus because of the thing that he fears. He knew that when Jesus died and redeemed mankind and rose again from the dead, Satan could not hold those people in in the regions of the lost forever. They would be free. He would lose the key to his own house. And so that's how Satan fought him back in that day. And you watch how Satan is fighting in your life today. Think about it for a minute. How Satan is fighting in your, your day. It's an indication of what he's afraid that you're going to possess. And I will say this. I believe that uh, when you see the battle increasing, there's probably a victory very close. Because that's when Satan really turns up the heat. And that's when he really makes life difficult for us. And that's when he really increases the pressure. Is when there's a victory right around the corner. He knows that if the bride proceeds further, he knows that if we can conquer our enemies, he knows that if we can uh, defeat the spirits that try to come against us, and Satan knows that if we can overcome our difficulties and our complexes and our uh, our fears and everything else, and he knows that we can enter into that realm of the atmosphere of God and rapturing faith lays in there, and all the things that we need in order to get our bodies changed lay a little bit ahead of us. We don't have it all yet because we're still here. But I believe that what we need to change our bodies He still lays a little bit ahead of us. I say this, Satan fights us getting there, taking those last few steps because he knows that when we get into that realm, we'll be gone and there'll be no pulling us back. The power of God to pull us into his kingdom is stronger than Satan's power to hold us back and i believe that god's going to uh, god's going to allow that uh, revelation to open up uh in the in the lives of the people of god so that uh we can uh we we can possess what we have need of and satan will be absolutely powerless against us and i believe that's why satan's fighting so hard and he is he's fighting harder now than we've ever seen any time in our in our lifetime at least now Let me give you a little statement here in the church age book. And Brother Bram's using several scriptures here. He said, he has made us kings and priests unto God our Father. Present tense. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He hath made us. And there are certain, he said, truths that we need to emphasize. And this is one of them. That he hath made us. Salvation is his doing. Salvation is of the Lord. It's all of grace. Not of debt. It's all of grace. How many can say amen? Amen. We're thankful. And he said, oh, how we're going to be kings upon the earth with him when he sits on his throne. But he says, but now we are spiritual kings and we reign over a spiritual kingdom. We don't reign over the natural kingdoms of this world. If we did, we'd run it differently, certainly, certainly the way it is now. But we are spiritual kings and we reign over a spiritual kingdom. And that's why this scripture comes into view, Romans 5, 17. For it by one man's offense, death reigned by one. So we all died because of one when when we were under the reign of the first Adam, death reigned. Much more than we which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. So in other words, under the first Adam, death reigned. Under the last Adam, we reign. Do you understand what I just said? Under the first Adam, death reigned. Under the second Adam, or the last Adam, we reigned. We reign through Christ. It isn't because of what you did, but because of what he did. And all he was, he poured into the church, right? So therefore, we reign through Christ because he won the victory for us. And therefore, we have, uh, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to reign in this life because we are kings and priests with God. This is more than just a thought. It's more than just a future tense uh, prophecy about what the people of God will be. This is Brother Bram's taking this and he's bringing it right back into our lives. And he's saying, and right into our time, in our lifetime, on this earth here, that we would reign in life. What does that mean? What does it mean that we would reign in life? That's a real good question. What does it mean that we shall be kings and priests and we shall reign in life? That means that we are not going to be ruled by things in this world, but rather we're going to begin to manage them under the rules of the kingdom of God in this earth. So we should come to the place and we should strive to come to the place where money doesn't rule us, but we rule money. Are you with me? We should come to the place where uh, entertainments of this world don't rule us. They don't guide us, but rather uh, we we choose what we want to partake of. We We believe that if we reign in life, then we should also manage relationships with the character of Christ for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. That your relationship, uh, with your spouse, it, it's the primary relationship and it's the one that, uh, you want to work at. We're not gonna let jealousy reign in that. We're not gonna let, uh, indifference reign in that. We're not gonna let, uh, you know, our schedules reign in that. But we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna run this relationship. We're gonna, we're gonna control this relationship because we are kings. And you know, the buck stops at the king. So therefore we want you know my wife and I we uh we have the power to make choices and to enforce them in the name of Jesus Christ because we are kings and priests in the kingdom of God already in this earth. Now naturally now we can't uh we can't say all right aging stop. Most of us would probably cry that out first. But uh, we, we cannot uh, reverse the natural things in this kingdom or war stop or something else. We cannot do that in this natural kingdom here because it's a fallen world. But I believe that God has made us in the spiritual sense. He's made us kings and priests before God. And therefore, we should rule and reign in the little world that God's given to us and not let the things of this world rule us. Hey, there might be a spirit creep into the church or there could be a spirit creep into your family or there could be a, uh, you know, a, a fear that comes in the world. That should not rule us because we are kings and priests. And therefore, we learn to manage as a king. We learn uh, we learn that we have resources at our disposal when they came to King Solomon, or when they came to Moses in the Old Testament, uh, you know, they brought problems to them, and they brought uh, they held court. Kings in the old days, they held court so that people who had a problem, they'd come to the king and say, what would you advise? What would you do? And, and they, they had no higher court, because the king was the one that they finally came to, like Solomon, and Solomon made a final judgment. And he had resources that he could draw from. So there were uh, the, the in, in the in the ears of the people. They never heard. Well, sorry, I don't. I don't I, you know, we don't have enough money to do that, or we don't have enough uh, power to do that, or we don't. Hey, with kings, they have ability because they have resources. In our in our reign or in our kingdom, let me tell you, we have unlimited resources. Somebody say it with me: unlimited resources to be able to manage because it's not our kingdom; it's His kingdom. And you know what? He owns it all, and he runs it all, and he controls it all. And so therefore, through Christ, we can reign in this life. We don't need to let things get the better of us. We don't need to let things destroy us or hold us down or hold us back, because I believe that by God's grace we are able, uh, through his mercies, to uh, not only to hear from God, but also to be able to employ, uh, to impart things that uh, God's given to us in our sphere of life. And I will tell you, you watch the way the enemy fights you, you watch the way that the enemy comes against you, it's really telling in the sense that, uh, you know, that's the thing that he fears most about you and about most about uh, the people of God. I find that over the last couple of years, Satan has really fought the bride of Christ all over the world, and I, I, I'm, I'm here to say and I'm proud to say that the bride of Christ still stands, and it's not because... Uh, not because of our physical, individual strength, but I believe we've been given the commission to reign in life. And therefore, things should not control us. They should not hold us back, and they should not hold us down. Mark my words. The devil fights every one of us. And he fights us all in different ways. In some ways, he'll fight you in business. and In some ways, he'll fight your family. In some ways, he'll fight with your health. And in other ways, he'll fight with your mind and your, uh, your thinking about things. He'll fight with your emotions and he'll fight with your church and he'll fight with, uh, you know, your, your uh, your plans that, that you've got, your desires and your dreams. He'll, he'll fight with whatever, uh, is available to him, but he fights based on what he knows you're about to possess. I, I find, you know, it's hard in a sense to single yourself out and get a lot of sympathy for things that you're struggling with because uh, all you need to do is shut up for a while and listen to somebody else and you realize they probably got it worse. Everybody's under pressure, isn't that right? Everybody you talk to is under a certain amount of pressure and wondering, well, you know, what should I do here? And this is happening and that's happening. And problems very often that are difficult to fix. Problems that are very often difficult to understand what's the very best thing. And so we, we, we're in this, we can be in this mode of waiting on God and looking to God and trusting in God. I'll say this, the best way for you to hear the voice of God is to have that attitude, yes, Lord, even before He commands anything. You come into a service and you have the attitude, yes, Lord, whatever you say, show me in your word what you would have me to do. Show me in your word what you would have me to take away from this service and leave here. When you come in with that attitude, let me tell you, God will give you something that you can take home and apply. And I believe that's what he would have us to do. Now, I, I I was looking at, uh, in this, in this thought here, um, there, there is this, Idea of remembering and without remembering, if we fail to remember, uh, you've often heard it said, I've, I've often heard it said that if we fail to remember what our forefathers went through, we are doomed to make the mistakes of, uh, things in the past. Chris, Keisha, good to have you back. Uh, didn't see you there. Uh, we, we are doomed to repeat the mistakes unless we learn the lessons that we were meant to learn. But there's a couple of other things about remembering that are important. And number one, without remembering, you, you, you fail to exercise or express gratitude. When you don't remember uh, the good things that have happened to you, you, you tend to focus on the negative things that happen to you. And you can become easily resentful. And I will tell you something, that gratitude takes a little bit more effort, but resentment, uh, it, it is really effortless altogether. It, it's kind of easy to be resentful because that's our, that's our human nature, and that's the part that's easily hurt. I believe that we should always remember so that we can be grateful for what God has done. And no matter, uh, no matter how bad things are, you know what? It could be worse for me because I could be on the outside. I could be still in my unsaved condition. And uh, even though somebody may have wronged me, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be quick to forgive because I'm grateful for God's forgiveness. I'm going to be quick to forgive. I'm going to be quick to let go because that's what God did for me. And he forgave me and let go all of the things that were held against me. And so when we remember, we remain grateful. Secondly, that when we remember, uh, then we, we attain a certain amount of wisdom. When we remember, we can learn those lessons and we attain wisdom partly by the remembering, but also as well we can figure out God's intentions for us. And, and we can learn the way that God thinks about things. And we can learn about the way that uh, you know God would have us to proceed with things. It is not just having good intentions. It's not just having uh, a lot of wishes. But I believe that God wants us to proceed with wisdom and knowledge about things, Uh, so that we can apply that in life. Let's say it this way. If somebody came to you after church and said, hey, listen, communion's not till 4 o'clock. I've got a plane parked out in the back of the church here. And uh, why don't you come on and fly? Well, do you know how to fly? Well, no, not really. Uh, But I've always wanted to fly. I really have always wanted to fly. I've always wanted to get up there in the air and control my own plane and, and, and do that. I, I've never had any lessons, and I've never had any instruction or anything, but uh, I've always really wanted to do this. It's really been on my heart. I feel led to do it. Would you come with me? Buddy, I don't care how much you feel led. I'd rather you feel led than me feel dead. So I'll tell you what, I'll let you go. Because good intentions without wisdom is like trying to fly a plane without any instruction. And when we remember, that we we, we we begin to look at God's ways a little bit differently. We find out how God thinks about things. And I say this as well, that when we remember things properly, and this is what God tells the children of Israel back here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says, only take heed in, uh, to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the, the things which thine eyes have seen. And when we remember what God has done, it builds a faith in us because we remember how God overcame certain things on our behalf. There's a lot of things that we enjoy today. There's a lot of things that we uh, we can recall today that God has done for us. And if we don't remember, then you start to say, well, uh, you know, why should I trust him? And what has he done for me? And what what's so good about that? What's so good about serving God? Hey, I can tell you things about how how it's good to serve God. I can tell you about times that He healed me. I can tell you about times that He delivered me out of tough spots. I can tell you about times that, uh, you know, you face an impossible situation, but you know what? Uh, we got through it and we got over it and we got past it. And it was not because of our own ingenuity, but it was because God helped us back at that time. Had to be God. Because we had no human solutions. We had no way of getting around that obstacle back then. But God did it, and we remember those things. We recall those things here. And uh, the Scripture admonishes us in many places to remember those things that God has done. And I'll tell you what, we should never lose that spirit of gratefulness that God has uh, done so many wonderful things for us. Now let's take that now and go back to this, this time of the first exodus here. Now, remember when Jesus takes the bread and the wine in the Last Supper with his disciples, what does he tell them to do? He says, do this in remembrance of me. He never wanted us to forget, going forward, he never wanted wanted them to forget the price that was paid in order for this to happen, for you to be in communion with God. We were talking last night, William and I, we were talking a little bit about come into communion and partake of communion as a young fellow. And we've baptized some of our young folks here in the last little while. And my only, my only uh, suggestion for the younger people that have been baptized and give, surrendered their heart to the Lord is that they, they have a, uh, a knowledge that they're in communion with God. So when they come to the communion table, it is a reflection of what it is that's going on in their life, even if it's small. Even if, they, and, and parents are going to have to help us out here. And, and uh, if, our, if our children have a communion with God, in other words, they have an interest in God. And they have uh, somewhat of a relationship with God where they talk to him. And uh, they want to know what, what God wants. And uh, we were talking last night about, uh, you know, him praying about the, the communion. And he said, I'll, I'll be praying about it. And uh, he said, that's, that's something I really want to have. And when you see that interest in somebody, that's a, a desire to speak to God and a desire to hear from God. That's a communion. And so Jesus says, when you enter into this, he says, never forget. Do this in remembrance of me and never forget the price that was paid in order for us to enjoy this communion. But now let's 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 take this scale up back just a little bit and let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And if, or sorry, Exodus chapter 10. If you take your Bible and go back there, I don't have all these scriptures on the board, but if you will, just take these and take your Bible. Let's go back to that just for a moment here. Exodus chapter 10. So we know, in our progressive understanding of Bible principles, that there's been three exoduses, right? How many believe we're in the third one? It isn't over, as we're still here. Our bodies are still here. The first exodus, he brought them out of a natural land to a natural land. God brought them from Egypt and placed them back into the promised land, which we know as Israel. The second exodus, he brought them out from a spiritual condition out of the jewish faith the jewish customs into a spiritual baptism of the holy ghost so he brought them out from just following laws to a new birth where god said i'll place a new spirit within them and i'll place my word within them and cause them to walk in my commandments and my statutes this is different this is quite different than what they had in the old testament because their their best efforts were still no good back in the old testament right they were constantly reminded of their failure to follow the full law back in the Old Testament. But the Holy Spirit makes that possible. He makes you He makes you able to live in a way that's pleasing to God. If you really got it, you'll really walk it. I said if you really got it, you really walk it. Because it isn't you walking it, it's Christ in you causing his word to come to pass in your life. And the third thing, in the third Exodus, Brother Bram teaches us that he's bringing them, the people of God, from a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost, right back into an eternal land of the millennium, the great hereafter. So this is the completion of that three. This is the taking of the people of God right off the earth and placing them back into the kingdom where they belong. This is a going home Exodus, if you like. This is a time when we take off from here. And he says it's the same pillar of fire, same anointed system, Same God doing the same things. Same Word declared the first one, declared the second one, declared the third one. We see it here among us, right, even today. So, therefore, if it's if it's God involved in all three, and if it's God uh, causing all three to happen, then we should be able to see similarities between all of them. We should be able to see principles that are applied in one. And also applied in the other one. Even though the destinations are different, that's really the only thing that is in di- that is different. The principle is that God takes these people and moves them from one place to another because it's a fulfillment of His word, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, uh, you know migrations and how that animals will move in a, you know from a certain place to another place, and it's just in them to do that. And when they when they do that, they become super focused, uber focused on. Uh, the trip, the journey, and they make special preparations for it. They develop uh, certain even parts of their body are developed for uh, the travel that other animals don't have. Like I said before, dogs and cats don't migrate, and it's really too bad. But nonetheless, there are other animals that they're driven. They're the wildebeest. They just uh, they just get in that season of time and they get in that mode, and off they go. Or the elephants, and they start to realize that the rains are are slowing down and the rivers are drying up, and their their, their uh, feeding grounds or calving grounds are changing and so off they go they begin to move in another direction here and and they can't they can't not do it they can't that's a double negative but they can't not follow this impulse in them that causes them to migrate from one place to another right everybody everybody understand english and so this this idea is that, uh is also found not just in nature but it's also found in God's people that when this season comes, there's a there's a move that starts. There's a stirring that starts in the people of God, and they're they're ready to go. They they can't not go. They can't not follow this. They can't deny responding to this. And I'd say that one of the things about one of the characteristics about the bride today is that uh, you know in this season of departure, uh, they, they, we want to know. Well, all right, it's, we know it's time to go. Which way? Point me, Lord. Show me which way to go. And, and I think on every single person's heart uh, that that is a child of God today, and ordained for this last and final exodus, no matter what age we live in, whether it was Brother Branham's time or today, we want to find out, Lord, point me in the right direction, and Give me whatever I need in order to make it to the next next uh, place, uh, the next junction, and the next uh, the next uh, meeting place or whatever else. And, and Lord, give me whatever it is that I need of have need of in order to be able to leave this kingdom altogether and to migrate into that kingdom over there. That's all we want to have. That's kind of a simplistic and natural way to to put it, but that's that's the idea. And so, therefore, when Jesus. And I, I need you to think about this, that in the backdrop of the, the children of Israel's leaving, uh, there was destruction, there had been plagues, there, were, uh, there was catastrophe all around them in a nation that was considered a superpower. And all of it was crumbling, all of it was falling apart. And in the middle of that, God asks and invites the people of God to do the most intimate thing. And that is to come inside their own houses and enjoy a Passover meal. And to be able to have this time together with him. And then they were going to physically depart. And so here's Jesus on the, on, the, on the edge of giving his own life, laying his own life down. Dying a horrible death that nobody would be able to prevent. He knew that in coming to this place, this was a one-way street here now. There was no turning back. And he even reiterated that in the garden when he said, Lord, l- let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. He was totally committed and going this one way. Nobody was going to intervene. Nobody was going to stop this program. Nobody was going to stop all of this. And in that, in that moment, just before that all turned, uh, you know, began to uh to, to roll out, Jesus invites the disciples into this closed place. And he says, Let's. Let's break bread together. And he never wanted us to forget. He says this in John, Luke twenty two, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and said, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. But a comforter in John 14, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach all things, he will teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Because remembering the things that Jesus said is vital for us. It's important for us. And so therefore, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost that He'll bring those things back into your remembrance. 1 Timothy 4.16, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say if you build up a big church. It just says if you keep putting those things in front of the people and cause them to remember The things that have been taught. Thou shalt be a good minister, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. You're going to feed the people on what you're feeding on yourself. And he says, the things that you've attained, you're going to pass those along to your people and that's going to be the best thing you can do. It isn't necessary that we... Uh, you know, double the size of the parking lot. It isn't necessary that we, uh, you know, print more books or whatever else. It's all good. Those things are all fine. But the best thing I can do as a minister is to keep putting the words of God in front of you and reminding you that, you know what, we are where we are because of the grace of God. And in this journey, we're not there yet, we've got a little bit of work to do, there's a little bit of rough edges that God is working on, and there are things that God wants to deal with in your life, there's things that God wants to show you, and there's things that God wants to teach us all, and there are things that God wants to correct, uh, there are hurts that God wants to bind up. There are all kinds of things that God knows exactly uh, the right time for, and we're gonna trust Him for that, and the best thing I can do is keep putting the words of God in front of you, because that's where we have, that's where we have a sense of gratitude, and that's where we sense, have a sense of faith, and that's where we have a sense of, uh, you know, really, uh, really, uh, using the wisdom that God has shown us in our everyday life. We keep reminding the people of God, the words of God, that's the best thing I can do. I'm not good at much else. Uh, there was a minister recently, I was, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, the, the other, uh, the talents that ministers have. And this brother said that, uh, he was good at, he was good at reading. And, uh, he was talking to some people in his church is what it was. And he was, uh, he, they, they were talking about their hobbies and their, their activities and the things that they do in their spare time. And this minister said, the, only, the thing that I seem to be doing and I gravitate towards is just reading. And people were like, and what else? What else do you do? And he said, really, nothing else really thrills me. He said, I just, I love to read. And they said, okay, but, you know, what do you get out and do? And he, he kept saying, well, it's, it's the reading thing that I really come back to. Weird. But there's—I I will tell you—you you know there there are things that you, as a, as a minister, are are under a calling, which is not an occupation and is not a job or a career like other people have, but it's a calling. And when you're called to do something by God, that kind of consumes your life. I, 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 you know, naturally speaking, with your hands, you'd love to be able to get into other things and do other things. And uh, you know, I've thought maybe I'll. I'd retire someday and make uh, Adirondack chairs or something, and just uh, do that part time and fish the other time. I, I never get a chance to do it. Made my daughters-in-law promises, and I, you know, I'm still. They look at me funny every time they see me because I haven't fulfilled all those promises yet. To them, I'll make you this and I'll make you that, and I never get around to do it. And it's, a lot of times, it's because you're, you're focused on the thing that God's called you to do. So take it up with Him. Not that I wouldn't. I certainly would love to do it. Alright, now let's, let's look at the end, the end goal. And I think it's important to keep the end goal in mind. And that is that we're going to a perfect kingdom. It's going to be a perfect people enter there. So between the change, between the new birth and the change of our body, God's got things to do in our lives, right? Take your Bible if you don't go, if you don't mind. Let's go to Exodus chapter 10. Now this is kind of in the, the middle towards the, the end of this series of plagues that moses calls for and i want you to understand that this is not this is not moses coming up with this everything that's happening here is because god's causing it and 10 and 1 says the lord said unto moses in unto pharaoh for i have hardened his heart that i might show these my signs before him that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. Uh, this is this theme is repeated over and over again, that what you see, what you see me do here in order to accomplish my word and to get it fulfilled, what, I, what you see, don't forget it. Because I want you to tell your sons and tell your grandchildren and, and pass it on in other generations that this was not Moses and this was not Uh, Aaron. This was not, uh, you know, the people who came up with this idea or caused this to happen. They were observers. And being observers, stand back, watch what I do, and don't forget what I do. Make sure you pass it on to subsequent generations here. So that's the whole theme in all of the plagues that are, uh, that are called on by Moses here. And it says that Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, the God of uh, the God, Lord God of the Hebrews, how long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me and let my people go, that they may serve me? Now, <clears throat> without going through every verse, I want you to take note of a couple of things here. And if you don't mind, let's drop down to verse seven here. And Pharaoh's servants; these are these are plagues now that God is laying out in front of Pharaoh here. And God is wanting to demonstrate something to Pharaoh, and He's wanting to demonstrate and prove to the people that this is something that I'm causing, and I'm going to demonstrate my, or display my attributes through all of this. I'm going to display my power through all of this. This is not going to be your power, it's my power. It's not your doing, it's my doing. And in verse 7, even Pharaoh's servants, they get it. They said unto him, How long will this man be a snare unto us? Let the man go. Let him go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest not that yet that Egypt is destroyed? Haven't you figured it out yet that through all of what God has done so far, it should tell you you're not in control? And and these advisors figured it out. These advisors uh you know they were they were savvy enough at least or observant enough at least to to figure out this is a a god that is quite different than any other god we've experienced this is a god that's quite different than any other uh power or force that we've rec- we've we've tried to reckon with and it it appears pharaoh that your power is not as great as this god so now, if you continue on the way you're going, the whole thing is going to go down. The whole thing is going to be destroyed. And he's saying to us quite loudly that we're not going to win. We are not going to overcome his power. And so therefore, why don't you let it go? Let, let, let them leave. And let them take their people and let them go. And the advisors had the right. But we also see in here too that when it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it did not necessarily mean that God forced him into a position of denial because he was faced with a choice, right? So in other words, uh, when, when the Bible says that God hardened his heart in the Hebrew, it means that God allowed him to be himself, to think in his own way. And his own way was hardened against God. His own way was opposite to God. He's got a mindset that I'm the most powerful force on earth. He's got a thinking that nobody can be greater than Pharaoh. Nobody can be stronger than Pharaoh. And he's got it figured out that, uh, I get the last say. I, people, people like me on the throne, we get the last say. And I don't have to listen to anyone or anyone's God. And, and that's, that's the way he thought about things. And so when it says that God hardened his heart, it means that, uh, you know, God went and let him go back to the way that he normally thought about this situation. Because he's got a choice. And Moses comes in and Aaron comes into the court and tells him, hey, there's going to be darkness and there's going to be flies and there's going to be locusts here. It's your choice. Let the people go or these, these locusts are going to come. And he says, no, not going to do it. And God hardens his heart. Uh, he didn't strip away his free moral agency in doing that. But he he wants Pharaoh uh, to be in a position where he lets these people go. When these plagues begin to happen, of course, Pharaoh, uh, you know, he gives in a little every time. And uh, he uh, he makes some concessions. But I'll tell you what about those kinds of repentances. They are always conditional, and they're only temporary, right? And they really are expressed because people don't like the circumstances around them. Lord, forgive me here if you'll take away this problem that I have. If you'll take away this uh, pestilence and I'll live right. All they really want is a relief from the circumstances around them. You gotta understand, folks, that our world is filled with people like that. It even is today. There's a lot of people that say the same things today. They say exactly the same wording almost. And they'll say, Lord, uh, help us to get back on our feet economically, help us to get back, uh, you know, and take away this virus, and we'll all live for God, we'll all go to church. We'll all be good Christians. I'll make my life right after this is gone. And what they really want is a relief of the symptoms that they're facing right now. But as soon as the symptoms are gone, they kind of go back to, oh, you know what? <clears throat> it's It's like a lot of people who, you know, they have, might have to take a medication for something, and that medication normalizes them. It, it helps them to feel like themselves. It makes them feel normal. And after a while, they figure, hey, why am I taking this medicine? I feel so normal. I feel so good. And then they stop taking the medicine. And then it dawns on them, why are they taking the medicine in the first place? Let me just say this. I, 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 I don't know if I've ever told you before, but I, I remember hearing Pierre Green talk a little bit about carl williams and i was listening to it again yesterday just for a few moments here and carl williams was one of the founding members of the full gospel businessmen in california and they, uh, you can see his list on the on the 23 uh, names that are there. He was actually the treasurer of the Full Gospel Businessmen, and he had uh, the Full Gospel Businessmen were responsible for allowing 154 sermons that we have, especially in the later years of Brother Branham, uh, because they were recorded there, and it was a non-denominational group, so Brother Branham had a freedom uh, to go among them. And Brother Carl Williams was a, uh, he was an oil driller. He was a, a very successful, very wealthy businessman. He's the father of Earl Williams, who's the grandfather of Danny Williams. Both of those are passed away. And, uh, Earl Williams was, uh, in, in, uh, Texas. He was a very successful, uh, driller and had lots of money and lots of businesses and so forth going as a result of that. And he was a Lutheran for most of his life. He grew up. His wife eventually in Texas wound up being invited by somebody and went to a meeting where Brother Branham was, was preaching. And she came back and told, uh, told Brother Carl all about the miracles and the things that she saw. He was very excited about this. This was back in the 1950s. And uh, she, she was just overwhelmed by all the things that she'd seen God do. And so Brother Carl went along and, and saw that. And just, you know, God really gripped his heart. And really got a hold of him, and he realized, wow, this is different. This is something uh, greater than what I've seen uh, ever in my life. And a little while later, he had an infection in his nose and went for a surgery. And because of the surgery, and again, now this is back in the 1950s, because of the surgery, he sustained an injury which caused him to have arthritis. And it was a strange connection, but he wound up with crippling arthritis and uh, was was uh, in a bad shape, in bad shape for a long time. And after a few years, Brother Branham came back into Texas again, and he went up on the platform, and Brother Green said that he saw Brother Williams taking steps that were six inches apart. He was just kind of shuffling along when he came across the platform uh, where Brother Branham was. And then finally he was prayed for, the Lord Jesus touched Brother Carl, and he was healed, walked out with a three-foot stride after... Uh, after that, on the other side of the platform. Went around and testified uh, of all kinds of, uh, of, of the good things that had happened to him. But after a while, he developed arthritis again. And he never really quite understood why that happened. And he went to another meeting and he, once now he got into Brother Branham's ministry, he followed Brother Branham around and uh, wound up moving actually out to California. So in 1963 he, he, he uh, sold his place in, in uh, Texas and went out and lived in California and became a part of the full gospel businessman. Brother Carl Williams was one who was responsible for allowing us to have the films, the Deep Call It the Deep and the, uh, the other uh, couple of films that we have firsthand hand of uh, Brother Branham's life and his ministry. And so So he was responsible for that. And he did a lot of things in in ministry because he couldn't work. He had the arthritis and he couldn't work. And so one day in a meeting, he heard Brother Branham say that everybody here, and I don't have the exact words here. I don't believe that I have them. But he said uh, the, the, the phrase was that every person in here, he said, should be healed who goes through this prayer line. And Brother Williams went through the prayer line and nothing happened to him. And a few year about a year later, 1964, he met Brother Branham and he was in a church park and he was in the church building and came outside and Brother Branham circled around in his truck and came and picked up Brother Williams and they rode together for a little while. And Brother Williams was really, you know, distressed. He was really disappointed about this whole condition of his health and everything else. And he said to Brother Branham, I don't understand it. You said that everybody should come through the prayer line should be healed. And he said, I went through that prayer line, and I'm still suffering the paralysis that I have. And he said, Brother Carl, said, I can't explain everything to you, but I, I do have this little story I want to tell you. And he said, years ago, in the time of Caesar, he said there was a, an old soldier that was sitting by the side of the road. And when Caesar came back in after a great victory, he would sit in his chariot, and people would parade him around, and you know, it was a great victorious time in Rome. And one day Caesar reached over and he saw this old man who was crippled there. And he said, sir, he said, how did you become crippled? And this is what the legend says. And the man said, I got these injuries fighting for you and fighting for the for the kingdom of Rome. And Caesar said, well, he said, since you did that, he said, why don't you come up and sit in my chariot with me? And so he got the old soldier up and he sat in the chariot next to Caesar and they rode around together. And and Brother Branham said to Carl Williams, he said, that old soldier, he said, is you. And he said, Carl, when God healed you the first time, he said, what did you do but go right back to what you knew, which was business and making lots of money and going into new businesses. But he says, now, with this condition you have, he said, look what you've done for the kingdom. He said, God caused you to come back and serve him. There are things that we think well they should be a certain way. The outcome should be this way. But I will tell you saints of God, there are some things that happen to us because God really does know best. In our lives, God really does know best. <clears throat> now, God said unto Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh You let my people go. And as we go down through the chapter here, we found that in verse 8 that Moses and Aaron are brought back into Pharaoh again. And he says, now, go serve the Lord your God. He said, but who's going to go with you? Verse 8, who's going to go with you? And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, and with our sons and with your daughters, and with your flocks and herds, with our flocks and herds, and our, we will go and we will hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said, "Hey, let the Lord so be with you as I will let you go." And your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, but go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that's what you—that's what you asked, that's what you desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said unto Moses, in other words, I'm going to give in, but I'm going to give in in part. I'm gonna allow this to happen, but not completely, not the way that you wanted to have it happen. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go with everybody. They wanted this, they, they, they told Pharaoh, we want to go with everyone. Now, going back just a little bit, the, the whole Egyptian, uh, religion and the whole Egyptian way of worship was all really centered around animals. And so the Egyptians, they elevated animals in the positions of gods like is right here. And of course, the crocodile was one of their gods that hung around in the Nile. And really, when you stand back and look at it, God was saying to Egypt, I really don't care about your gods. I need you to understand there is one God, and those gods are not in control. Just like you're not in control... I want you to know that there is one God. And so it's like God takes a stick and pokes it in the eye of those alligators and he even takes Moses and puts him in a basket among the alligators and says, watch and see whether I'm stronger than all these alligators that you worship crocodiles and, and let Moses go down the river. And God's watching over Moses going down the river with all these man eaters that are there. Hey, they couldn't touch Moses. Why? Because these people have figured out, hey, there's something gone squirrely with our gods. There's something that's wrong with our faith. And there's something wrong with our religion. Do you realize that's where we've come to today? There's a lot of people in our world who trusted in things and now they're realizing it isn't coming through for us. It isn't working. We're, we, still, we have all the beautiful churches and we have all the beautiful ceremonies and we have the uh, mega churches and all the mega entertainment and everything else, but we're not getting answers for the problems that we have. And they realize that no matter what kind of gods they put out there, there really is only one true God. Aren't you glad that God introduced himself to you and came down and condescended to come into your life to bring a message to let you know who the one true God is and for you to be in relationship and communion with that God and all the other gods have to stand back because they're powerless against our God. And this is the... The, the thing that the people of Israel faced, they, they, they attributed, well, is this a coincidence? Is this, is this something that, uh, you know, is caused by global warming? Is that why uh, we have all the fires? And is that why we have all the cattle dying? And is that why we have all the locusts and everything else? Hey, the Bible just simply says that all the locusts were somewhere and God caused a strong wind to blow and blew all the locusts right into where uh, the Egyptians were. They never came into Goshen. And then when the plague was done, God, God, the Bible says that God uh, took a strong wind and blew all the locusts away. Tell me where they were at first and tell me where they were afterwards. We really don't know. Why? Because it's God who who caused it all to happen. It wasn't some man who did it. It was God. Uh, Listen, today, we've gone through it. We just went through a pestilence. And all kinds of people are still trying to figure out where it came from and where it went. You know what? All of it to me reminds us that no matter how strong and wealthy the governments of this world are and the armies of this world are, there's one God who's in control. And with all the money and all the bailouts and all the other things that were done, let me tell you, if I'm going to choose sides, I'm going to choose the Lord's side because... This is exactly what happened back then. They tried to attribute it to all kinds of things and uh, global warming, natural occurrences, cycles of nature, everything else. They're still trying to find out why the earth is warming up, right? It's all kinds of people spending big money in order to figure out how the world is wor- warming up. I'll tell you why it's warming up. Because it's going back into the right position that it's supposed to be in in the first place. All the earth is going back to the place that it should be in the first place you happen to be living on the earth when all that's being done. Let me tell you, can you can you imagine what would be involved in turning the temperature of the earth down? Go ahead. Let me know when you get it done. Here is here is God telling Moses here to go in and tell Pharaoh that the message is clear. We're going to take his hand off the controller. And we're going to remove it because Pharaoh is not really under control at all. Drop down, if you will, just at the end of the chapter here, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to prolong things here. Moses says in verse 26, "Our cattle also shall go with us; there shall not be a hoof left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not what we must know not what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. We're going to take all of our animals. We're going to take everything with us." But the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. And he says, and I just skipped a verse here, but just go back to verse 24. Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also, let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also our sacrifices and our burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord. These are people now who worship animals, who are being forced to give Moses animals for sacrifice. And Moses is insisting that the young go and the old go and everyone goes when we go. There will not be anyone left behind. There will be nobody left behind when we leave here. And we're going to take it all. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart in 27. He would not let them go. And Pharaoh said, Get thee out, take heed to thyself, and see my face no more. For in that day thou shalt as my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well. I'll see your face no more. And Moses is actually being threatened here by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is saying, You watch your back. That's what that means in the Hebrew. You watch your back because I'll get even with you. You've embarrassed me, and you've ridiculed me here, and uh, you've allowed uh, all of this to transpire here. Moses, you watch your back. When you leave here, you make sure that you never come back into my courts again, because if you do, I'll kill you. That's the state that, that Pharaoh was in. He was powerless against Moses, and he was threatening against Moses here, but he could really do nothing about it. But his heart is no closer to God. He's filled with the bitterness now of all of these events that have taken place. Think about our time now. Think about our age. But let me just say this one thing. that In this this last scenario here, when all of this happens here, the phrase that is used here is when Moses says we're going to go, all of our men are going to go, all of our families are going to go, and our young ones are going to go, and our old ones are going to go. Everybody's going to leave here when we leave. It is the first time that the Hebrew phrase is used here where it says that we all shall go and there'll be nobody left behind. We are one unit. We are one people. And we are going to go together. When the time comes for us to go and the time is not determined by Pharaoh, The time is not determined by us. The time is determined by God. And when that time comes, I need you to listen to me now just for a couple of minutes here, that when that time comes, there'll be no one stop us, and there'll be nothing stop us, and we're all going to go. Every member of the body of Christ is going to go. And that's the first time that God kind of formalized that phrase of the brotherhood of the Israelite people. This is what God saw. This is, these are the people that God saw when he said to Abraham, your seed will sojourn in a land for 400 years, and then I'll deliver them out. And everyone that God saw is going to be taken out in that, final, in, that, in that final moment of that first exodus. Every one of them are going to believe. We're not going to leave anyone behind. And I believe this is really true also about whatever exodus that we're a part of, and we happen to be a part of the last one, that everyone who's ordained to go will go. There will be none that will be left behind. And I want to say this too, and I, I, I wanted to say this in relation to our communion today. There's none that you can exclude. There's none that we can exclude by our conduct. If God has included us, we're all going to be there. If God has predestinated us, we're all going to be there. And there's no circumstance going to hold you out. There's no person going to hold you out. There's no clique of people going to hold you out. Everyone is going to be there. There's no human interaction here that's going to... Hey, and the the children of Israel were instructed that no one's going until everyone's going. That was their attitude, that, and this was Moses' attitude, this is coming right from the top, that nobody's going until everybody's going, and all of our animals are going. Everything that pertains to us, we're going to go. We're going to take with us when we go. And there's no forces around that are strong enough to hold us back. And so therefore, this is out of your hands, Pharaoh. This is out of Egypt's hands. This is out of government's hands. This is out of everybody's hands. This is a determination made by God. And when it's time to go, everybody's going to leave. and i would i would just pass this along and leave this here with you that uh, there are things that god puts us through because he he wants us to be able to uh, look at each other as you being ne- an, a necessary part of this exodus and of this departure. You're a necessary part. Mitchell is a necessary part. Brother Aaron's a necessary part. Uh, Eliza's a necessary Everybody's a necessary part. And it doesn't matter physically what role you play in the church or how old you are or how young you are. That really doesn't matter. God's going to get everyone that's ordained to go out of here in that appointed time. And so therefore, I should be, because I don't know who's who's who, and who's going to go, and who's not, I should be concerned about the people that are a part of our local body here, and churches, and the Bride of Christ in general, hey, we should do whatever we could for the people in Ukraine, we should do whatever we can for people, whether they're in our church or not, because no one is going until we all get to go, and whatever we need to correct, whatever we need to do, however we need to help, however we need to supply, if God's blessed me, and I can supply to help others, then I I'm going to do whatever it takes because no one's going without everybody going. And that ought to be our attitude. And we ought to be saying that even about our families, that, uh, you know, God's given us a family and we still have influence in that family. We still have children in that family. We should strive to 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 provide in such a way that they realize, hey, we, we do things as a family. And so, therefore, uh, I, I'm, I'm concerned. While I have influence, I'm concerned about where we go as a family when your kids get older and they get married and they move out and have their own households they had to apply this in their own household certainly but uh, you know as as a church full of people we should be concerned about one another hey brother so and so hasn't been around or sister so and so or we haven't seen this family for a while or they're going through a difficult time or something else hey whatever we can do we should rally people around because the whole idea was when this all ends here there's going to be an exodus take place there's going to be a people leave here and that's not the time to start thinking about about going, that's the time to go. The time to think about going is right now. The time to think about what is it that I need to put in place? What is it that I need to change? What is it that I need to confess? And what is it that I need to make right? What is it that I need to do so that nothing about me hinders that exodus of God's people? And God said to Moses here, I'm going to put my power on display to let Pharaoh know. But let me tell you, it's not Pharaoh who's going to tell the testimony of the grace of God. It's going to be you and your people tell the testimony of the grace of God about what happened here and that there is only one, one true God and that God has all power. You're going to be the ones that tell that. It's not the world that's going to testify of God's power and changing bodies and getting people ready in the translation. It's not going to be the world out there, you're not going to find it in the news cycles of the World. You're the ones that are going to testify. But you know what? I believe already we know the outcome. We have a story to tell even before it happens because by faith we believe it's going to come to pass. And we are the people that have the testimony that God's going to take his people out of here in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We should be concerned about finding that last one. We should be concerned about people that are within our own ranks. Whatever I can do to strengthen you, whatever I can do to help you whatever kindness I can show, whatever way I can build up the body and make it strong, we should do that. We are not like other churches. We should never be like other churches, like other system churches out there. We, we are not called to be like that. We are, we are called as a different people because we are bound to one another and we're going to remain until everybody goes. There was a whole, there was a whole underlying theme of all of this in the uh, Old Testament here in the first Exodus is that everybody's got to go. And have the same heart that Rahab had when it came time to apply the token. Rahab could have got out. She could have said, save me because I've saved you guys. She said, no. Bring in the whole family. Put them under the token. God preserve that whole family. In terms of us leaving here, we ought to have the same feeling one towards another. Spiritually speaking, we should have the same feeling one towards another. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be the cause of anything or any reason why that person would be somehow farther out or, or put down or excluded in some way. But we are one unit here. I, the, body, the body is one unit. My body functions best when it's one unit. If I left a part in my office, it would be a different sermon today altogether. But all my parts are here and they work together. And you know what? When I go home today, all of me will go home. And I believe the same thing. When HBT goes home and God changes our bodies, every one of us should be there. And we should all be able to put our arms around one another in true communion and say, you know what? It's all by the grace of God that any of us got here. It's by the grace of God that we all get through. Because no one, according to this, no one got there early. No one got in there ahead of anybody else. God didn't didn't take any, any family. God didn't take any tribe. God didn't take any bunch ahead of anybody else. They all came across the Jordan together. The Bible doesn't even tell us which tribe went first. So God puts us through things. And many times He puts us through things to test how well the Word has taken hold in your life. You know that? Let me explain it this way. I'll give you a little illustration here and then I'll close. The illustration will take a while. Now I'm only really joking. I remember as young fellows, I was, I was relating some of our stories of childhood to my grandchildren. And I remember when we were young fellows, we'd ride our bikes all, all over the place and I know some of you, guys are bikers and whenever we'd have a slow leak it'd be infuriating because you get it pumped up and then you'd have a slow leak in your back tire and man it was just frustrating so what we would do is we'd turn the bike upside down take the take the wheel off strip that tube out and we'd have a bucket of water and you fill up that tube with water and put it down in the bucket right you're looking for the hole you're looking for the leak finally when you find the leak what do you do you mark it and patch it Right? Let that dry. Some of you old folks are are looking at me and nodding your head. And we'd let that dry. But you know what? We'd never put that tube back inside the wheel after it dried. You know what we'd do? We'd pump that tire up while the tube was still out and put it back down in the water to see if the integrity of the patch held. We were testing the integrity of the patch. Because I need to know now, before I put it back in the bike, before I go anywhere, I've got to know if that patch holds, right? There are some trials you go through. There are some trials you go through because there's a hole, because there's something wrong. But there's also some trials you go through because God's wanting to test the integrity of the word you've applied to see whether that's going to hold it's not because you're an unbeliever it's not because there's a weakness there but God's just in testing the integrity or the perfection of the word in your life does that make sense so in other words if there's a problem in our lives sometimes that God helps us or God gives us a word and God fixes that problem and there's a healing he doesn't just take us off in the glory we're back in the water again we're back in the pressure and God wants to see does that hold does that hold Are you, are you still holding to that word that I gave you? Are you still applying that word that I applied back here? And, and is it, is it still gonna hold? Sometimes those, there are trials that are because there's a problem. And then there's, there are trials that we go through because God is actually testing us. And He's proving us whether we have it or not. But I do know this one thing, that God never gives us trials until we're ready to go through the battle. He never puts us through things just for fun. He never puts us through things just, you know, just uh, for for uh, no reason. He puts us through things, and he's always proving something. He's always developing something. He's always making sure that something is right. Because before we get out of here, before the tube gets back placed in the tire and inflated, let me tell you, God's going to make sure that, that that word holds in every life. Before we get out of here, God's going to have a word bride. That's what I find that, Brother Graham said, it's a perfect kingdom that we're going to, and it's a perfect people going to that kingdom. He's, going to, he's not, not afraid to try that, people, and see whether the word I've given you is applied. And if it's applied and it holds, you know what? We can go somewhere. But if it doesn't hold, we've got to go back to the pressure again and get underwater and find out where that leak is. There are things in this life that we go through. And i tell you what, let me tell you, God puts us through those things because he loves us. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come here. Brother Graham says, which way are you going this morning? He says, you're going to, into eternity one of these days. And without Christ and without the Holy Ghost, he said, your soul is lost. Remember, he said, if he's in you, he's the power of God, live by it, he's God in you. He's God in you. He says, therefore, we should live by it with all of our heart. Live by it because it's right. Live by it because those are the things that God's put in our lives. So he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember the things that we've been through and remember the, the pit we were taken out of and remember the, uh, you know, the, the things that he saved us from. Remember the things that you've been forgiven for. He says, never forget those things because once we lose our remembrance of things, We don't feel grateful anymore. We don't feel grateful anymore. Let's sing that little chorus, Majesty, Majesty. Worship His Majesty. Let's sing that together this morning. Do you love Him with all your heart? Let's sing it together. There's one God, He's in control. He's got it all in His hand. Let's pull it up here. Majesty, Majesty.
1: Worship His Majesty unto Jesus, be all glory, honor, and pray. Oh, Majesty, worship His Majesty. Oh, his anthem raised. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify. Jesus the King Oh Majesty Kingdom Authority Jesus who died Now glorified King of all majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and The road uh, to his own Is at the breath.
5: Yeah. According to your word, O oh Lord, be it unto to me. Once again. stand secure. Carve upon my heart the truth that says.
6: He's already said, I would. Let's sing it this morning. You believe you're going to make it? Hey, there is no power great enough to hold you back. Not at all. There's no force on this earth that's strong enough to delay all of what God's plan for his people. God's people are going to be there. Let's
5: sing it together. I'm going to make it. He's already said. working everything for my good. He walks beside
6: If there's any way I can pray for anybody who's here today, be glad to do it.
5: Just put your trust in Him, and if God's dealing with you, the making.
0: time now. Let's sing it together. Oh, I'm
1: gonna make it. He already said that I would. And I, and I-
5: For those of you that are
6: coming back this evening, four o'clock, we'll have our communion service. And we just do communion uh, when we uh, do our ordinances. It's not a preaching service. We're not going to record it. We're not going to stream it. Uh, We just uh, take time to wait before the Lord and just do the communion and foot washing. So you're all certainly welcome right at four o'clock. We'll start sharply there. So may God bless you this morning. Thank you for coming. Never forget, never let it go, that our God is God, and He still does great things.
5: In Jesus' name, we press on. on dear Lord with the prize clear before our eyes we find
1: Press all. Oh, in Jesus' name, we press on.
0: have the tithes and offerings taken up early uh, on in the service. So as you leave and depart uh, this evening, I just ask that you, would, uh, as a deacons, would stand by the door there. If you set your tithes and offerings in the pan, I know the Lord will bless you. We serve God in our tithes and our offerings too. Let's continue singing that. In Jesus' name,
1: we press on. Oh. On now, oh, yes, Lord In Jesus' name, we press on. So... Oh.
0: I give you my heart Oh Lord I give you my
2: heart I give you my soul